Section 15 of Germanon by Emile Zola, translated by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perrard. Part 3, Chapter 4. Listen, said Mehud to her man, when you go to Mansou for the pay, just bring me back a pound of coffee and a kilo of sugar. He was sewing one of his shoes in order to spare the cobbling good he murmured without leaving his task i should like you to go to the butcher's too a bit of veal eh it's so long since we saw it this time he raised his head do you think then that i've got thousands coming in the fortnight's pay is too little as it is with their confounded idea of always stopping work they were both silent it was after breakfast one saturday at the end of october the company, under the pretext of the derangement caused by payment, had on this day once more suspended output in all their pits. Seized by panic at the growing industrial crisis, and not wishing to augment their already considerable stock, they profited by the smallest pretext to force their ten thousand workers to rest. You know that Etienne is waiting for you at Rasseneur's, began Mehid again. Take him with you you'll be more clever than you are in clearing up matters if they haven't counted all your hours Mehu nodded approval and just talk to those gentlemen about your father's affair the doctor's on good terms with the directors it's true isn't it Olden, that the doctor's mistaken and that you can still work for ten days father bonmort with the numbed pause as he said had remained nailed to his chair she had to repeat her question and it growled sure enough i can work one isn't done for because one's legs are bad all that is just stories they make up so as not to give the hundred and eighty franc pension Mehid thought of the old man's forty sous which he would perhaps never bring in any more and she uttered a cry of anguish my god we shall soon be all dead if this goes on when one is dead, said Mehu, one doesn't get hungry. He put some nails into his shoes and decided to set out. The Dussan-Quarum settlement would not be paid till towards four o'clock. The men did not hurry, therefore, but waited about, going off one by one, beset by the women, who implored them to come back at once. Many gave them commissions to prevent them forgetting themselves in public houses. At Rossignol, Etienne had received news. Disquieting rumors were flying about. It was said that the company was more and more discontented over the timbering. They were overwhelming the workmen with fines, and a conflict appeared inevitable. That was, however, only the avowed dispute. Beneath it were grave and secret causes of complication. Just as Etienne arrived, a comrade, who was drinking a glass on his return from Monceau, was telling that an announcement had been stuck up at the cashier's, but he did not quite know what was on the announcement. A second entered, then a third, and each brought a different story. It seemed certain, however, that the company had taken a resolution. "'What do you say about it, eh?' asked Etienne, sitting down near Sauron at a table where nothing was to be seen but a packet of tobacco. The engine-man did not hurry, but finished rolling a cigarette i say that it was easy to foresee they want to push you to extremes 
he alone had a sufficiently keen intelligence to analyze the situation he explained it in his quiet way the company suffering from the crisis had been forced to reduce their expenses if they were not to succumb and it was naturally the workers who would have to tighten their bellies under some pretext or another the company would nibble at their wages for two months the coal had been remaining at the surface of their pits and nearly all the workshops were resting as the company did not dare to rest in this way terrified at the ruinous inaction they were meditating a middle course perhaps a strike from which the miners would come out crushed and worse paid then the new provident fund was disturbing them as it was a threat for the future while a strike would relieve them of it by exhausting it when it was still small rasseneur had seated himself beside etienne and both of them were listening in consternation they could talk aloud because there was no one there but madame rasseneur seated at the counter what an idea murmured the innkeeper what's the good of it the company has no interest in a strike nor the men either it would be best to come to an understanding this was very sensible he was always on the side of reasonable demands since the rapid popularity of his old lodger he had even exaggerated the system of possible progress saying they would obtain nothing if they wished to have everything at once in his fat good-humoured nature nourished on beer a secret jealousy was forming increased by the desertion of his bar into which the workmen from the bureau now came more rarely to drink and to listen and he thus sometimes even began to defend the company forgetting the rancour of an old miner who had been turned off then you are against the strike cried madame rasseneur without leaving the counter and as he energetically replied yes she made him hold his tongue bah you have no courage let these gentlemen speak etienne was meditating with his eyes fixed on the glass which she had served to him at last he raised his head i dare say it's all true what our mate tells us and we must get resigned to the strike if they force it on us Clouchard has just written me some very sensible things on this matter he's against the strike too for the men would suffer as much as the masters and it wouldn't come to anything decisive only it seems to him a capital chance to get our men to make up their minds to go into his big machine here's his letter in fact Clouchard, in despair at the suspicion which the international aroused among the miners at monceau was hoping to see them enter in a mass if they were forced to fight against the company in spite of his efforts etienne had not been able to place a single member's card and he had given his best efforts to his provident fund which was much better received but this fund was still so small that it would be quickly exhausted as souverain said and the strikers would then inevitably throw themselves into the working men's association so that their brothers in every country could come to their aid how much have you in the fund asked rasseneur hardly three thousand francs replied etienne and you know that the directors sent for me yesterday oh they were very polite they repeated that they wouldn't prevent their men from forming a reserve fund but i quite understood that they wanted to control it we are bound to have a struggle over that the innkeeper was walking up and down whistling contemptuously 
three thousand francs what can you do with that it wouldn't yield six days bread and if we counted on foreigners such as the people in england one might go to bed at once and turn up one's toes no it was too foolish this strike then for the first time bitter words passed between these two men who usually agreed together at last in their common hatred of capital we shall see and you what do you say about it repeated etienne turning towards souverain the latter replied with his usual phrase of habitual contempt a strike foolery then in the midst of the angry silence he added gently on the whole i shouldn't say no if it amuses you it ruins the one side and kills the other and that is always so much cleared away only in that way it will take quite a thousand years to renew the world just begin by blowing up this prison in which you are all being done to death with his delicate hand he pointed out the Voreux, the buildings of which could be seen through the open door but an unforeseen drama interrupted him poland the big tame rabbit which had ventured outside came bounding back fleeing from the stones of a band of trammers and in her terror with fallen ears and raised tail she took refuge against his legs scratching and imploring him to take her up when he had placed her on his knees he sheltered her with both hands and fell into that kind of dreamy somnolence into which the caress of this soft warm fur always plunged him almost at the same time maheu came in he would drink nothing in spite of the polite insistence of madame rasseneur who sold her beer as though she made a present of it etienne had risen and both of them set out for montsou on payday at the company's yards montsou seemed to be in the midst of a fete as on fine sunday feast days bands of miners arrived from all the settlements the cashier's office being very small they preferred to wait at the door stationed in groups on the pavement barring the way in a crowd that was constantly renewed hucksters profited by the occasion and installed themselves with their movable stalls that sold even pottery and cooked meats but it was especially the estaminets and the bars which did a good trade for the miners before being paid went to the counters to get patients and returned to them to wet their pay as soon as they had it in their pockets but they were very sensible except when they finished it at the volcan as maheu and etienne advanced among the groups they felt that on that day a deep exasperation was rising up it was not the ordinary indifference with which the money was taken and spent at the publics fists were clenched and violent words were passing from mouth to mouth is it true then asked maheu of chaval whom he met before the estaminet piquet that they've played the dirty trick but chaval contented himself by replying with a furious growl throwing a sidelong look on etienne since the working had been renewed he had hired himself on with others more and more bitten by envy against this comrade the newcomer who posed as a boss and whose boots as he said were licked by the whole settlement this was complicated by a lover's jealousy he never took catherine to Requillard now or behind the pit-bank without accusing her in abominable language of sleeping with her mother's lodger then seized by a savage desire he would stifle her with caresses maheu asked him another question is it the voreux's turn now and when he turned his back 
after nodding affirmatively both men decided to enter the yards the counting-house was a small rectangular room divided in two by a grating on the forms along the wall five or six miners were waiting while the cashier assisted by a clerk was paying another who stood before the wicket with his cap in his hand above the form on the left a yellow placard was stuck up quite fresh against the smoky grey of the plaster and it was in front of this that the men had been constantly passing all the morning they entered two or three at a time stood in front of it and then went away without a word shrugging their shoulders as if their backs were crushed two colliers were just then standing in front of the announcement a young one with a square brutish head and a very thin one his face dull with age neither of them could read the young one spelt moving his lips the old one contented himself with gazing stupidly many came in thus to look without understanding read us up there said maheu who was not very strong either in reading to his companion then etienne began to read him the announcement it was a notice from the company to the miners of all the pits informing them that in consequence of the lack of care bestowed on the timbering and being weary of inflicting useless fines the company had resolved to apply a new method of payment for the extraction of coal henceforward they would pay for the timbering separately by the cubic metre of wood taken down and used based on the quantity necessary for good work the price of the tub of coal extracted would naturally be lowered in the proportion of fifty centimes to forty according to the nature and distance of the cuttings and a somewhat obscure calculation endeavoured to show that this diminution of ten centimes would be exactly compensated by the price of the timbering the company added also that wishing to leave every one time to convince himself of the advantages presented by this new scheme they did not propose to apply it till monday the first of december don't read so loud over there shouted the cashier we can't hear what we are saying etienne finished reading without paying attention to this observation his voice trembled and when he had reached the end they all continued to gaze steadily at the placard the old miner and the young one looked as though they expected something more then they went away with depressed shoulders good god muttered maheu he and his companion sat down absorbed with lowered heads and while files of men continued to pass before the yellow paper they made calculations were they being made fun of they could never make up with the timbering for the ten centimes taken off the tram at most they could only get two eight centimes so the company would be robbing them of two centimes without counting the time taken by careful work this then was what this disguised lowering of wages really came to the company was economizing out of the miners pockets good lord good lord repeated maheu raising his head we should be bloody fools if we took that but the wicket being free he went up to be paid the heads only of the workings presented themselves at the desk and then divided the money between their men to save time maheu and associates said the clerk filonier seam cutting number seven 
he searched through the lists which were prepared from the inspection of the tickets on which the captain stated every day for each stall the number of trams extracted then he repeated mayhew and associates Bellonier seam cutting number seven one hundred and thirty-five francs the cashier paid beg pardon sir stammered the pikeman in surprise are you sure you have not made a mistake he looked at the small sum of money without picking it up frozen by a shudder which went to his heart it was true he was expecting bad payment but it could not come to so little or he must have calculated wrong when he had given their shares to zacharie etienne and the other mate who replaced chaval there would remain at most fifty francs for himself his father catherine and jeanlin no no i've made no mistake replied the clerk there are two sundays and four rest days to be taken off that makes nine days of work maheu followed this calculation in a low voice nine days gave him about thirty francs eighteen to catherine nine to jeanlin as to father bonnemort he only had three days no matter by adding the ninety francs of zacharie and the two mates that would surely make more and don't forget the fines added the clerk twenty francs for fines for defective timbering the pikeman made a gesture of despair twenty francs of fines four days of rest that made out the account to think that he had once brought back a fortnight's pay of full a hundred and fifty francs when father bonnemort was working and zacharie had not yet set up house for himself well are you going to take it cried the cashier impatiently you can see there's someone else waiting if you don't want it say so as maheu decided to pick up the money with his large trembling hand the clerk stopped him wait i have your name here toussaint maheu is it not the general secretary wishes to speak to you go in he is alone the dazed workman found himself in a, an office furnished with old mahogany upholstered with faded green rep as he listened for five minutes to the general secretary a tall sallow gentleman who spoke to him over the papers of his bureau without rising but the buzzing in his ears prevented him from hearing he understood vaguely that the question of his father's retirement would be taken into consideration with a pension of a hundred and fifty francs fifty years of age and forty years of service then it seemed to him that the secretary's voice became harder there was a reprimand he was accused of occupying himself with politics an allusion was made to his lodger and the provident fund finally he was advised not to compromise himself with these follies he who was one of the best workmen in the mine he wished to protest but could only pronounce words at random twisting his cap between his feverish fingers and he retired stuttering certainly sir i can assure you sir outside when he had found etienne who was waiting for him he broke out well i am a bloody fool i ought to have replied not enough money to get bread and insults as well yes he has been talking against you he told me the settlement was being poisoned and what's to be done good god bend one's back and say thank you he's right that's the wisest plan maheu fell silent overcome at once by rage and fear etienne was gloomily thinking once more they traversed the groups who blocked the road 
the exasperation was growing the exasperation of a calm race the muttered warning of a storm without violent gestures terrible to see above this solid mass a few men understanding accounts had made calculations and the two centimes gained by the company over the wood were rumored about and excited the hardest heads but it was especially the rage over this disastrous pay the rebellion of the hunger against the rest days and the fines already there was not enough to eat and what would happen if wages were still further lowered in the estaminets the anger grew loud and fury so dried their throats that the little money taken went over the counters from Monceau to the settlement etienne and maheu never exchanged a word when the latter entered maheude who was alone with the children noticed immediately that his hands were empty well you're a nice one she said where's my coffee and my sugar and the meat a bit of veal wouldn't have ruined you he made no reply stifled by the emotion he had been keeping back then the coarse face of this man hardened to work in the mines became swollen with despair and large tears broke from his eyes and fell in a warm rain he had thrown himself into a chair weeping like a child and throwing fifty francs on the table here he stammered that's what i've brought you back that's our work for all of us Mahid looked at etienne and saw that he was silent and overwhelmed then she also wept how were nine people to live for a fortnight on fifty francs her eldest son had left them the old man could no longer move his legs it would soon mean death alzire threw herself round her mother's neck overcome on hearing her weep estelle was howling lenore and henri were sobbing and from the entire settlement there soon arose the same cry of wretchedness the men had come back and each household was lamenting the disaster of this bad pay the doors opened women appeared crying aloud outside as if their complaints could not be held beneath the ceilings of these small houses a fine rain was falling but they did not feel it they called one another from the pavements they showed one another in the hollow of their hands the money they had received look they've given him this do they want to make fools of people as for me see i haven't got enough to pay for the fortnight's bread with and just count mine i should have to sell my shifts Mehud had come out like the others a group had formed around the Lavaque woman who was shouting loudest of all for her drunkard of a husband had not even turned up and she knew that large or small the pay would melt away at the volcan philomene watched Mehud so that zacharie should not get hold of the money Piron was the only one who seemed fairly calm for that sneak of a Piron always arranged things no one knew how so as to have more hours on the captain's ticket than his mates but mother brulee thought this cowardly of her son-in-law she was among the enraged lean and erect in the midst of the group with her fists stretched towards monceau too thick she cried without naming the hambos that this morning i saw their servant go by in a carriage yes the cook in a carriage with two horses going to marchiennes to get fish sure enough a clamor arose and the and the abuse began again that servant in a white apron taken to the market of the neighboring town in her master's carriage aroused indignation while the workers were dying of hunger 
they must have their fish at all costs perhaps they would not always be able to eat their fish the turn of the poor people would come and the ideas sown by etienne sprang up and expanded in this cry of revolt it was impatience before the promised age of gold a haste to get a share of the happiness beyond this horizon of misery closed in like the grave the injustice was becoming too great at last they would demand their rights since the bread was being taken out of their mouths the women especially would have liked at once to take by assault this ideal city of progress in which there was to be no more wretchedness it was almost night and the rain increased while they were still filling the settlement with their tears in the midst of the screaming helter-skelter of the children that evening at the advantage the strike was decided on rasseneur no longer struggled against it and Souverain accepted it as a first step etienne summed up the situation in a word if the company really wanted a strike then the company should have a strike End of section 15